ready to record. Rock and roll. Rock and roll is here to stay. Welcome to the Rock and Roll Emotion Jamboree. That's the new name of the show. Actually, it's still Dear Anxiety. It's still Dear Anxiety because it covers so much. This is the show about mental health. It's about our thoughts, our feelings, and how we relate to them, the choices that we make, and the awareness that we have about it. And I'll tell you that today's show is all about social comparison. And I know that you have a lot of shows that deal with social comparison to choose from, but I must tell you, of all those shows, this is by far the best show on social comparison. There's no better show. Everyone else is not good enough. This is the show on social comparison. My name is Ed Krasnick. I'm your co-host, and my partner is an actual expert in applied positive psychology. She studied with Dr. Marty Seligman, who is the father of applied positive psychology at University of Pennsylvania. She has a wonderful business, a community, a world called GoZen.com, and GoZen teaches kids, resilient kids, parents, families, schools, everybody, resilient skills through animation, through creative play, through animation. Not only is it interesting, so helpful. And that's how we met initially through that, that business. And I'm talking about you as if you're not here, but you actually are here. I am here in spirit and in embodied. Yes, I am here. <laughs> I was listening to you talking about Gozen. Thank you. And thinking the other day, I went to pick up my son from school and his teacher thought my last name was Gozen. <laughs> she goes, what does your last name Gozen mean? Or Gozen, she said. And I'm like, no, I <laughs> think it's just attached to my email or something. No, wow. that would be my company name, but maybe it is like a lifestyle now, you know. <laughs> maybe you should maybe you should think of changing your name from Rini Jane to Rini Gozen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a middle name, so you know, my parents yeah. couldn't figure one out. They've struggled obviously with Rini. <laughs> it's yeah. like their genius creation. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you know, Rini G, if you want to do that, you could easily be in rap. Oh, the RG? Yeah. RGJ, yeah. Yeah, RG yeah all right. The, the cool. RGJ, the notorious RGJ. That's um, right. Yeah. Maybe they'll have museum exhibits after me. Well, Amazing. I, I think you and RBG, RGJ and RBG together oh, again. see what you're doing there? You're comparing. Yep, I am and comparing. You are. And, and is it a good thing? Look, this is the thing. If there's a central question in the front of social comparison, and that question is, am I good enough? And that is a question that plagues. Is that rhetorical? Everybody. Are you asking me? I am actually asking you. No, uh, <laughs> it would be much healthier for my well-being if I were actually asking you and not wondering myself. All you day. are. You are. You are more than good enough. Okay, great. Every. I was just looking at somebody who says that's the crux of her therapy with people. That is the issue that yeah. makes people well or unwell. Yeah, it's amazing. Listen, we put our kids and ourselves, frankly, in systems all the time that are built on comparison, right? You get grades, you get scores, you get ranks, you compete, you get ribbons, you get trophies, and sometimes you don't. And you are always higher or lower or relative to someone. We live in a world that's relative. So the comparison is everywhere. And I don't think that we need to get rid of it, right? I don't think we can frankly. Have you ever tried? Yeah. Doesn't work. 
Yeah, it doesn't really work. But I think because I was reading a lot of material about how kids learn to measure themselves so that they can get better and more proficient at something. And I just think that in today's world, it's just such a question in people's minds. It's because, like we talked about on last week's show, your value as a human being is attached to so many things instead of just inside of you. Yes, 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 yes. I know that probably most people can think back into when they failed their first test or what their SAT or ACT or some standardized test score was. Those things stick with us because often somehow it becomes a metric of our worth as opposed to what we are told by most nurturing, loving, caring caregivers that we're beautiful and amazing and abundant and light from the moment we come into the world. And there is no attachment to the goals that we're setting up, right, with grades and with scores and with tests and with competition. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with competition. But what I'm saying is that that's not our value. And that's not what we teach our kids. But somehow, often, they will come home from school or whatever environment and feel like they're not good enough feel like they're not measuring up because someone else is doing better than them. Someone else has more raw talent than them. Someone else is, plays basketball better. Someone else is better at math than they are. It's just unbelievable how this happens, even when we're trying so hard to cultivate this very strong sense of worth of who they are from a young age that has nothing to do with that stuff. Yeah, it's a world where I have to compare myself to other people to evaluate how worthy I am how lovable I am, how good I am. The problem is it's not about basketball. That's when it becomes a problem. It's not about those things. If it were just about those external things, that would be fine. It's not about those things. It's about, which means that I am not good enough as a person. It means that if I'm not as good as basketball and that's what I practice after school, I'm not okay as a person. This is what kids are learning. This is, this is what people take away from these experiences. And that's the issue. At the same time, we've been talking a lot about growth mindset over the shows. It's kind of a recurring theme. And the thing about it is we don't learn how to fail. We're all about learning how to succeed. We're not about learning how to fail. And really, learning how to fail would be a huge success in this process of, am I okay? Or rather, we unlearn how to fail. Because we come in certainly not knowing how to walk, not knowing how to talk, not knowing how to eat, not knowing how to brush our teeth, dress ourselves. And we do all those things. And never once do we stop and say, you know what, I don't think I'm going to learn how to use this toothbrush myself because I haven't been able to pick it up and, and use it the right way. Or I don't think I'm going to try to put the spoon in my mouth anymore. We come into the world understanding that failing is part of the learning process. And I believe that we unlearn that as we are beginning to compare ourselves to others and forgetting how we came into this world extremely full of powers and gifts. And one of those gifts is our ability to take failure is, what do they say, a first attempt in learning. Right. Well, that's such a good point. A first attempt in learning. It's a way of, of living. It's a way of learning. It's a way of opening up to anything new. The other part of it, too, is what am I good at? The things that come easily to me, there's no way that that can have value or that I'm good at those things. People need to, everybody is good at something, but learning about what you're good at is something that we, we don't focus on. We focus on what you need to learn to get better instead of, hey, I'm really good at this. That's 
a good thing. That's okay. I can work with that. That's something that really I enjoy. Maybe there's more to learn about that. Maybe there's more time to spend on those things. This is an important thing. So social comparison is connected to so many issues about well-being and about self-worth. Social comparison, in essence, you know, what the research shows us is it makes us unhappy. There, it's boiled down <laughs> to wow. one sentence. I like to wow. boil it down to one sentence. Yeah. So what do we do, right? When you're talking about what am I good at? I had a classic fixed mindset growing up believing that I should be good at something from the get-go. And if I wasn't, and it required effort then that just means that that's not a passion that I should pursue. It will never be a passion. So if I, I remember starting to play softball and I wasn't so great at it and watching other people who are much better than me and not realizing that what I was seeing was 10 steps you know, after they had practiced and then failed and then practiced again and then done something else. Sure, there were kids that came onto the field with some raw talent, but most people work hard at things. Most people put effort into things, right? Most things are difficult at first before they become easier. So what do we do with our kids when they feel bad about themselves and they feel, they feel hurt inside because they see others are quote unquote more successful in certain areas of life than they are? What do we do? Yeah, that's a very good question. What is it that works and what are some of the some of the tools and the techniques and I know that coming up for me is you know what what my natural inclination is to try to fix it, is to try to get the answer, which of course is that you're an amazing person. You're a very talented person. These things Let's take do that practice. in a role play. Yeah, let's you, do it right now. Okay, so I'm going to be the kid and mm -hmm. you be you be a caring adult. Okay. Let's get ready to role play. Oh, just this, this, this like the worst. I don't want to go back. What what's going on? What's going on, back honey? To, I don't want to go back to practice. I don't want to go back. I joined that stupid band. And now I'm like 20th chair. And that's just all the way in the back. You won't even be able to see me. And this, I told you this was going to be like this. I'm no good at this. I just have yeah. like no musical bones in my body. So why am I trying to play an instrument? Yeah. And that I mean, Sarah Cookie, she's so good at everything. She's yeah. first chair. I'm never going to be there. So like, what's the point of being? I mean, I could see maybe if I were second or third, but I'm 20th. Do you know how embarrassing that is? I'm at the bottom. Wow. Honey, uh, this is really, this is, I see that you're, you got a lot of, uh, a lot of emotion about this, a lot of thinking about this, and it feels very, it seems to feel very, uh, very frustrating. Dad, like please don't try to make me feel better. Okay. You're going to tell me all this stuff, like I'm great and all this stuff. And it's just, it doesn't make a difference because when I walk into that room, I'm still last. And that's, I don't want to be last. Yeah. Well, I don't want to be last. Can you change that for me? I don't want to be last. I want to be first. Honey, the thing is, what I hear you saying, when I hear you say I'm not good at anything, I have to say, well, it, you seem really upset. And sometimes, you know, when you're upset, it's really hard to be fair to ourselves. 
right? I am and, upset. Yeah. Because I just wish I were born different. Why was I born like this? Now, honey, look, if you were to say that to a friend, first of all, you would never say that to a friend, I know. You would be, you know, you would say different things. You would be kinder to a friend. Well, my so friends you, don't suck as much as I do, so then it's easier to be nicer to them. Yeah. Right now, it's just, this is a time when, you know, you're just really upset. So we really, you know, we need to maybe take a break, I think, and then we can revisit it. We can think about some of the things that you can do to get better if you, if that is something that you want. The only way to get better, first of all, is you can't judge yourself against other people because this is about you and what you learn and how you learn. So we need to focus on that stuff. But right now is not the time to think about all that stuff. Right now is a time to be kind, take a step back, take a few breaths, and actually just realize that, you know, you're upset. You had an experience at band that was an unpleasant one. And, um, and now we're going to take small steps to figure out what the best way is to go. But we don't have to make big decisions, especially when we're feeling really upset. That's not the time to make big decisions or big statements like I suck all the time. <laughs> Although, believe me, we all have that. I have that in my head, too. And I know when I have that. You know what I know? I know when I have that, that that is me not being fair to myself. Because I would never say that to any, anybody else. I would never say that to a friend. I will tell you a story right now, quick story. When I was a kid, now it wasn't about playing a musical instrument, but when I was a kid, I tried out for this team, this wiffle ball team. And it was, I probably wiffle was- Wiffle ball? What's yeah, that? Yeah, it was a ball with holes in it and it was like baseball. So we happened to play in the schoolyard because I grew up in the city. So we played in the schoolyard, not in the field. And I was in the outfield and the wiffle, and I'm so nervous because what I'm thinking is, I suck. Don't hit it to me. 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 Of course, what happens? Comes right to me. First pitch. And the ball lands on my pinky. It's got a ball that's got holes in it. So it lands and it whistles by me. I can't really catch it. And it lands on my pinky and it sticks there. And everybody starts laughing and they start calling me pinky. Well, for about a year and a half. <laughs> that's funny. For about a year and a half, my nickname was pinky, no matter what I did or where I went. I could go for a hamburger. Hi, Pinky. And so that was embarrassing, right? But it was because I was in my head telling myself that I sucked. I was telling myself that so much that I couldn't be, I couldn't do it. I couldn't be there. I couldn't learn anything else. So I'm just saying to that to you because that's an experience that I had. So you're not alone now. It's actually we kind of helpful. Thank yeah. you. You're not alone, honey. We're all in this together. So I'm going to break from the role play and say, I mean, I wish we had a studio audience to clap for you. Ed. No. Um, maybe we could put in some clapping effects. <laughs> no, that was that was pretty long. Uh, that was pretty long and there was a lot of explaining. No, um, but you know what? You are so good at, and I hope any parents listening can really take this, is that Sometimes we don't know the answer, right? Many times we don't know the answer as parents. So Ed and I are both parents as well. And, you know, even doing this every week and I research a lot, 
you know, sometimes I don't know what to say to my kids when they come to me and they have a challenge. But what you do so beautifully and authentically is really connect. I could hear that you were listening to me. You were reflecting back some of the things that I was saying, which told me that you were listening to me. You were building a connection. You weren't dismissing what I was saying. You weren't giving me a solution. Perhaps you didn't have a solution, but it didn't matter because what you were trying to do was really just listen to me. And you do that so beautifully. And you gave me some self-compassion techniques, which are always amazing. And so I loved the empathy. I loved the self-compassion. This is a really difficult topic right? And one thing that you said earlier is that this is about, you know, it's not about comparing yourself to other people. And I think for kids, that's really hard. But I do think that we can teach kids to do a me versus myself. So if your child is coming home, and they're saying, you know, well, Sarah Cookie is first, this first chair, you know, what do you do with that? Well, what you can do, because you're trying to teach to compare against yourself. The best comparison is you versus your personal best, but sometimes that's not possible. But how about we shift the conversation to, yeah, sounds like Sarah's amazing. She seems to really have gotten better maybe over the last year. Do you think she's gotten better? Because we want to focus attention on progress over time for another person. We want to focus attention on how effort can make a difference. I think that knowing as a child that effort that I made could have actually changed things in my life, it sounds so simple. But do your actions actually have an effect on your life? I didn't know that. I thought that if I were playing an instrument, I should be good right away. I didn't realize, I didn't really realize that practicing and making an effort could make a difference. So I say if your kids are coming to you and they're comparing themselves to other kids, that you try to focus on the progress of the other child and then transition into, you know, kind of me versus myself. Well, how much better do you think you'll be in a year, you know, with that kind of practice? Yeah, and and that it does build, and it is something that you can, it's doable. It's something that you can do. What you can do is practice. What you can do, we've said this in, in other shows, but taking small steps to practice is a great thing. That's one of the things that the mind does immediately. Immediately when you get scared and it's like, I'm not good enough, you make big statements like, I'll never be good enough. It's never and always. And then I suck. Yes. You know, this is, <laughs> yes. this, is big, this is a big blanket statement. And, and I came up with this just in the moment. It's not fair of you to do that to yourself. It's not a fair evaluation. It's not a fair judgment. It's not fair. And you know what I'm coming up with as you're saying that? What's interesting is recently we did a show on procrastination. And one of the things that procrastination research shows us, I know this seems disconnected, but I'm going to connect it, is that we treat our future selves poorly. We throw everything on future, like I would throw everything on future Rini. I don't want to do that today. I'll do it tomorrow, right? So we're treating future Rini poorly. Well, I think we do the same thing when we're comparing ourselves and we're limiting ourselves. Because Future Rini or future your child, future yourself has incredible potential. So you should not limit that future version of yourself based on your current state, right? And I think that that's important for kids to know. There is an exercise called the best future self exercise where your child can sit down for 20 minutes if they're of writing age and they can write for 20 minutes about the best 
future version of themselves. What does that person look like? What does that person behave like? What is that person doing? What's their environment? Who are they surrounded by? You know, what do they spend their time doing? And this is shown to greatly improve well-being. And if they're not of writing age, they can draw it. They can draw it. And, you know, one other thing that I want to say is, is that a lot of times as parents, as just as humans, we see a problem and we approach it head on. We're like, oh, there's a nail. Let me hit it with a hammer. <laughs> right. But sure. there. And by the way, is that the right saying? I always say this. I always get very simple sayings incorrect. <laughs> I and like that, that you had. No, and then I blame my parents. <laughs> yeah, hammer and nail. You know the old saying. You, you, you know the old hammer. saying. I'm like, is that the saying? <laughs> yeah. I always mess them up. Yes. Yeah. Instead of approaching this directly, it's like so incredibly directly. I think there are other things that we can do that are a little bit indirect to really lessen the blow or buffer against social comparison. Can we talk about some of those things? Absolutely. Okay. And, and and one thing I wanted to say, though, too, is you had a, did a very good job in the role play. Very, very convincing. And one of the things that you said is, I want to be first, not last. And that's something to really work with, because that's really what we're, what we're saying is they're extreme. There's no best future self. There's no incremental work going on there. There's just, I got to be the winner. Right now, in this moment. Right now. Yes. Yes. No work. Yes. No effort. So, Right. How do I win? So let's talk about some of the things that, that we can discuss here. Yeah. You know, some of this has to do really with perspective, right? And it is very difficult for us as kids or to remember back when we were kids that our world, while these things as grownups don't, you know, those things don't seem like such a big deal, right? You should have some perspective. There are kids in Africa. It's like the sayings, the sayings that perhaps our parents said to us growing up. And by the way, there are kids everywhere in the world. It is not just Africa, obviously, who don't have their basic needs met. And somehow that doesn't affect us. We're like, okay, well, but I still want to be first chair, <laughs> you know, even though yeah. and I feel bad for those kids, but I still this is still happening to me. And so we need to make sure that we're doing some things really to open up their perspective that's not so luxury, let's say, that's not so, listen, you should really appreciate what you have. And I think some of that comes from having moments of awe. Have you ever been in awe, Ed? Like what, yes, I have. Okay, tell me about a time you've been in awe. Well, the ocean. I live near the ocean, and every time I go out there, it's just, I can't believe that it just exists, and it's so huge, and it just continues. The ocean doesn't judge itself. The ocean just goes on. It's amazing. A lot of the research that's been done on awe, right, these experiences that heighten our awareness, where there's beauty and sometimes mystery, are they're associated with nature and natural wonders. And this can do amazing things for kids. It can open up their perspective. So I think if you want your child's perspective to open up, it's not going to be done with words. Well, you should X, Y, and Z. You should appreciate your life because of this, or you're so great. So let us cultivate some moments of awe and work on those. And yeah, you might not be able to go to the Grand Canyon in this moment, but you can look at pictures you can relive moments we know very vividly in your mind of moments when your child has felt awe. You can share awe experiences as a group, as a family. You know, Ed just shared one with us. Within a moment, I was transported to the ocean. And of course, you have to connect with your child with language that's authentic to them. 
and with experiences that are authentic to them. You know, maybe you're sharing an experience with them and they're going to share one with you. But I think that this really helps them expand their perspective. So that's just one technique. We're going to talk about some more. Okay. So perspective is is one that you're shifting thing. And, you know, the other, of course, is, is just, you know, just just what are you saying to yourself? You know, what is the relationship? You know, what are you telling yourself? Because there's really nowhere to go from most of these statements. I suck. Okay, where, where can you go from that? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to unsuck someday. Yeah, you um, don't suck. It's just a, it's like a, you're having an argument back and forth. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. It's like, yeah, where are you going from there? Yeah, there's nowhere to go from there. So what is the fair thing? You talk a lot about how would you talk to a friend? Now, in this scenario of comparison, what are some other things? So perspective is one big thing. Perspective is one big thing. What you brought up in the role play about self-compassion is another big thing. So you can say to your child, well, let's play this out a different way. When they are in a moment and a place where they're able to receive the information, right? Sometimes your child is super upset, like I just was in the role play, and they're not able to receive what you're delivering to them. So please be aware of that. And once you have that radar, and you're like, okay, they're open to hearing what I have to say, you can say to them, can we do this another way? Can we talk about this another way? How about I play your friend that's in the same situation, and you give me some advice, right? So you reverse roles. And kids will do this and they will open up. And it's amazing the advice they'll be able to give. So where it was myself and Ed and Ed was my dad and I was the child, then you can roll reverse and you can be the child and I can be the dad and you can play out that scene. So try role playing. That's a beautiful thing to do. That's more direct. And we were talking about some indirect ways. Find moments to help your child find their flow. I don't think we've talked a lot about flow on this show. So have you ever been in flow, Ed? I know you have. Yes, I have. It's it's that state when you're not thinking and I'm just in the moment and I'm able to do whatever I need to do in that moment. Usually, I mean, it's happened for me sometimes on stage. It's happened in different arenas of writing. So yeah, this is, everybody has their way of doing it, their thing that they click into. How do you stimulate flow? Yeah. So as you're saying, it's that kind of when you're in the zone, right? That period of time where actually all time sort of falls away. If you've ever been so immersed in something with so much passion and purpose that you sit down and eight hours go by or you're doing something, you're writing or you're painting or you're playing or you're doing something. And literally you're like, oh my goodness, the whole day has passed and I haven't even noticed it. That is flow. So what our goal is as parents is to find what puts our kids into flow. I'm for the time being going to ignore (laughs) the questions that are going to come up that say, well, what if that's only video games, right? Or what if it's only a thing that I don't really like? Let's know and agree that there are other moments where our kids are in flow that are great activities for them. And we need to cultivate as many of those for them as possible. Because I think what happens to kids, especially in really structured school environments, is they don't get enough flow time. They don't get because it's disrupted. So even if they're, hey, let's just say that your child is someone who's super in flow in algebra. Maybe they just are. Maybe that's the way their brain works. Maybe that is puts them in flow while eventually the bell rings and they're shuffled off somewhere else. So cultivating moments of flow, I know that we're talking about social comparison, but these are other ways to increase well-being that can really have a buffering effect against social comparison. So 
reversing roles is something that can happen in the moment. Future self is, is a writing exercise or a picture exercise. What is your best future self? And you're shifting perspective and then self-compassion, things that you do to increase compassion. These are all things that can respond to social comparison, to, that can respond to, I'm, I'm always last, I want to be first. I'm not good enough. And you'll have plenty of opportunities because this is an ongoing thing. And you might, you might, it might be something that might come up in you. And then you can take a look at that and use yourself as a practice a pad, a launch pad for the ideas of how you're going to relate to your kids by how you talk to yourself. Just being aware of it is, is, a, is a huge plus. Yes. At any rate, that's, you know, yes, so that's because we do it, of course, as grownups, we do it all the time, whether it be something material, someone else's house, someone else's material goods, right, or something at work, someone else got promoted, someone else has this, someone else is being treated like that, we're, you know, we're all comparing all of the time. And then, of course, there is the ultimate amplification tool of social comparison, which is social media, <laughs> where you're judging your insides against someone else's outsides so that, yeah. yeah, it just multiplies the problem exponentially. Well, it's amazing. You know, this is this is really especially geared towards teens. How do you talk to a teen about the specific issue of I'm looking at Instagram and I'm just not as thin as these people? Yes. Okay. So whether it be on Instagram or whether it be in real life, there are always going to be those who are bigger, who are smaller, who are thinner, right? Who are, who have more, who have less, right? This We live in a relative world, so there's going to be different shapes and sizes everywhere. So I think it's very, very important that we help our kids cultivate a very strong inner voice, a sense of self-love, a sense of self-confidence know, a sense of who they are, less the test scores, the grades, and meeting these particular goals of this path that we've put them on, because we love them. So many parents say, I want you to do really well in school, because I love you. And I don't want you to suffer. And I want you to go to a good school and then get a good job. And you know, I'm, I'm putting you on this path that's full of goals. But our kids need to know who they are, without all of those things. And I think that applies to then having that, having that strong sense of self protects you against, yeah, you're going to see people on Instagram that are thinner than you. You are. And then you think to yourself, okay, that's cool. I see those people, you know, and I, who I, I am who I am and I own who I am and I love who I am and I show the world who I am. Those are the kind of kids we need to raise. I am showing the world who I am with my flaws and all. Yeah, that kind of mantra, those kind of mantras are very important. I am enough. I don't know how many times you've said that in your life. Uh, listeners, I haven't said it nearly enough in my life. I'm enough. I'm enough. That's it. Th these things, you know, what we're saying is, look, you, earlier we did the role play. Rini's talking about practicing an instrument. We practice instruments. We practice baseball. We practice math. We practice all kinds of things. Do we practice mental health? Do we practice wellness? Do we practice well-being? Do we practice how to take care of ourselves? Do we practice how to love ourselves? Do we practice how to communicate? No, we don't practice these things. Well, it's time to start practicing. I really think that that's such an important point. I think Ed and I hope if you take anything from all of the words that we are saying, take the role-playing. Take the role-playing because you can do that at home. And in that 
while you're listening and we've received so much beautiful feedback from you guys. Thank you so much. I want you to know that you're not alone in this journey, you know, of, of, of none of us are alone in this journey of raising this generation of kids. But I also want you to know that there are things that you listen to here that you can practice right after you're done listening. And if your kid rejects a role play, that's okay. You know, that's okay. If it doesn't go as it goes when Ed and I do it together because we make it so neat and tidy sometimes, that's okay too. Right, Ed? Yeah. I mean, it's all okay. Just the idea that you're conscious about it and you say, I'm conscious about how I take care of my kid. I'm conscious about how I take care of myself. So I'm just going to think about that. Oh, look at that. That worked out. That didn't work out. This is a process and it's an ongoing process and it's a process that's never going to end. And there's no perfection in it. It's not a perfect thing, but there is something about being aware. And if you can start to be aware, I know your lives are really busy and it feels like I, I'm tired. I, I don't have time to think about this. Just a few minutes, just a minute or two of awareness is volumes. It really has a big value. Now, I'm a comedian and I speak seriously on this show a lot, but no one is more unaware than I am. I'm the best at being unaware. And I'm comparing myself to you right now. Yeah. I I could go for the failure awards. I I literally would be wearing a tuxedo and I'd be walking away with best failure of the year, every year. I think we should call it the flubbies. The flubbies is great. We're going to do that next week. We're going to have the flubby awards and we're going to be on the red red carpet saying how, uh, what a big mistake it was to to make it (laughs) and to do the show. But no, but seriously, yeah, seriously, this is, you know, this is a practice and just the awareness, just the consciousness of even saying, wow, that was, I just told myself I suck and I'm not a kid anymore is a good thing to be aware of. If you could take a day, I don't know if this is possible for any of us, or even a half a day, or maybe a couple hours of silence. Have you ever tried that? And just observe your thoughts, because it gets you into the practice of observing your thoughts. Would that scare you, Ed, to be silent for a couple hours? (laughs) I tell you, it would be such a vacation for me. In fact, my problem is not that I would start it. My problem is that I'd never want to come back. That's okay. But yeah, just awareness, awareness of the thoughts that are going through your head and then the ability to be compassionate with yourself. Those two things take a lot of work because we have lived in a place where it's okay to beat yourself up. It's okay to beat yourself up out loud and then internally. And when we do it, our kids really absorb that inner voice. That becomes their inner voice, you know? So self-compassion is really, really important. And then I would say another thing for, you know, to really buffer against social comparison is teaching our kids about the pursuit of not happiness, but meaning. So the interesting research is, is that the relentless pursuit of happiness leads to misery. <laughs> like that's basically in a nutshell what happens. Yeah. But the pursuit of meaning is something different. When you're pursuing something that is greater than yourself, there is allowance for the ebb and flow of emotions and feelings. You can have bad days, you can have bad moments, but you're still pursuing something greater than yourself. Now, this might seem like something that's, oh my goodness, this is kind of esoteric and too, too much for a little kid, but it's not. One of the things that can teach them is contributing to something bigger than themselves like chores. And it's why one of the biggest, longest studies ever done, the Harvard Grant study, is about chores, right? One big piece of it is about chores. And it shows that those kids who did chores as kids have greater well-being, you know, greater. There's a lot of graders in there. But greater well-being is is one of the things. Yeah, it's funny, the meaning and, and a purpose. And it's 
interesting how kids will, I remember my daughter, the, the, when she was a little girl, she had this thing of, of wanting to help other people and this interest in people who are overcoming challenges. And it was a, at a very young age. So my ears, you know, I was like, wow, this is really interesting. And she was really focused on it. Sometimes kids will just tell you, give them space to tell you those things. Yeah. Meaning and purpose, one of the key ingredients of well-being, of happiness, something outside of yourself, giving to a greater thing outside of yourself. Yes. And then definitely teach your kids about growth mindset, that your intellect and your talents and what you do in this world is not limited by what you came in with, that the effort that you make makes your brain grow right? And the mistakes that you make makes the neurons in your brain fire. And failure is part of that process, right? And show them exemplar after exemplar of this. Tell them about Katy Perry and how she, you know, tell them the story about how she failed over and over and over and over again until she finally, you know, had the taste of what she felt like was success for her. So teach your kids that their brain, it's an organ, but it's like a muscle, you work it out. Yeah. When, you're, when you fail and you make mistakes, you're working that muscle out. And you can use those analogies. You know baseball? You know, you know if it's sports, you know baseball, you know music, you know that thing that you're doing, you know that game that you play. You're practicing. Every time you do that, right? You're practicing. So we're going to do the same with how we talk to ourselves. We're going to do the same with how we take care of ourselves. We're going to do the same thing. We're practicing just like baseball. And you can do gratitude exercises with your kids, of course, you know, because that helps them appreciate what it is that they have. It brings attention to that. And you can also do maybe at the end of the night, you know, what's one thing that you're grateful for, but also what's one hard thing that you did today? Let's share a difficult thing that we did today. And sometimes I go around with my five and my six-year-old, they're little. We talk about, you know, the hard thing that we did today. It was so hard to share my toy with so-and-so at school because I really, really, really didn't want to. And then I'll share a difficult thing that I did. It's amazing what they'll come up with. The, the, another thing too is, and, and I don't know, maybe this is not something that you can do in your day or even in your evening, but for me, I like to close my eyes <laughs> just for a second. Are you I really right do. now? <laughs> don't sleep. I, my eyes are completely shut. I talk to people that are around me with my eyes closed. No, but it's like a quick way of just getting in touch with your, your breathing or just taking a moment because there's so much stimulation. I just find that I enjoy the world that I see with my eyes closed much more than the world that I see with my eyes open, which is scary. But it's almost like breathing. It's like, oh, just for 30 seconds, I'm going to take, you know, it could be connected to gratitude. It could be connected to breathing. It's just a little moment. Anyway, that's just something I do. I'm going to open my eyes now. They've been closed the whole time. Yes, no. please open um, your eyes. I hope that you yeah, gonna, all have your eyes I'm, open. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually driving now. Yes. So I'm going to really open my eyes. Um, <laughs> always drive with at least one eye open. I always say that. Now, I, we have to wrap up, uh, but this has been a very interesting show. A lot of things talked about, a lot of techniques, a lot of tools. We want to tell you also th and thank you for listening to the show and for passing it along to your friends. We really appreciate it. We appreciate all your comments, things that you're writing in. We've heard from many people. Podcasts can be listened to at bit.ly forward slash Dear Anxiety. 
on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or anywhere where you get your podcasts, please subscribe. And then you can actually send emails or voicemails or submit struggles or problems or issues. You can send them, you can upload them, or you can just write them to gozen.com. G-O-Z-E-N dot com forward slash Dear Anxiety. And there's a way to get it to us on that page. So you can do that as well. We would really appreciate it. We would appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for listening. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. Ed Krasnick, Rini Jane. See you next time and hear you next time on Dear Anxiety. Bye, guys.